Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I've been touching on a certain issue over the last few weeks, and that really is the reset that's happening in our world, and not only in the world, but in the church. There's a great, great reset, and I believe that God has done this by His design. God has stuck His hands into history, and He's shaken some things, and things are going to be different from the way they've been. That's obvious to everybody, and they're going to be different in the church, too. I don't believe it's going to be us just going back to the way things were. Things are going to be different, and uh, a lot of us are thinking, God, what form is that going to take? What's that going to look like? How do we need to design things? And I do believe those are things that we should be praying, but I've realized that it's not primarily about the form of what's getting ready to take place. God is going to bring us into the form. What God wants us to emphasize right now is the substance and the foundation of what's going into this next season. And what is the substance and the foundation? I believe what he's doing is he's cleaning the foundation in his church. He's cleaning the foundation in people's lives. And he's causing our lives to be set properly and firmly on Christ, which means not only thinking of some principles of the word, but it's having the word living and active and working in our lives. It means our relationship is close with God. In fact, I would say that's the new foundation. That's the new thing. It's like we need to go deeper in Him. We need to walk with Him. We need to be so secure in Him in a very insecure world. You see, God's doing that in His people. Sometimes God allows things to back up. You know, when God's moving so much and there's anointing and power and excitement, things are happening, which I believe we're getting ready to come into a season like that. But it's easy to, to forget about your roots having to go deep. Sometimes the roots actually go deeper when that's pulled away. And I believe we've been in a season in the past where God has sort of allowed that to happen. And we've had our roots go down deep. And what's getting ready to happen is there are new opportunities and new doors because as what, what God does is He draws you to Himself. Again, that might be through weaning us from the world for a season or weaning us from success, causing us to have to trust in God like the wilderness season did for Israel. Our roots go deep. We get strong. And then from after He calls us to Himself, then He sends us out. We're still connected to Him, but then we go out into what God's called us to do. And that is what's getting ready to happen. That process of God finishing up and maturing in us where we need to be for this hour and season to go to the next. And the getting to the next season is not by figuring out the format. Oh, it's going to be this and this. Getting to the next season has everything to do with being connected with God the way God wants us to be, having our hearts right with God, being at peace with God, making sure our root system is very, very well grounded in the Lord Jesus. That's where we are today, and that's where God's bringing us. Jesus was speaking to Peter one day and uh, the rest of the disciples, and 
he says, who do you guys think I am? What an interesting question. Who do you think I am? Peter answers and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you did not get that on your own. You did not get that on your own, Peter. Now, Peter might have thought he got that on his own, but Jesus is saying, nope, you didn't get that on your own. You got that from Father. You got that from Father God, and he has inspired you with that. Jesus could see it wasn't Peter guessing. He could see, wow, he got something from God on the inside of him, revelation and insight. And then Jesus says to him, because he sees this, you got to realize Jesus sees Peter with a great revelation. And he goes, your name is Peter, which means rock. And it is different than the other rock he's talking about. But he starts out going, your name is like small rock. But on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And I believe when he said, but on this rock, He's talking about what he's seeing in Peter when Peter is sharing that revelation. He's seeing somebody who's been touched by hearing God. He's been walking with God the Father. He's been thinking about the words of God. Now, Peter's still immature, but Jesus is seeing this working in him, and he's going, this is what I'm going to build my church on. That was what Jesus told him. This is what I'm going to build my church on. It's hearing God, walking with God, having insight from God, revelation of who Jesus Christ is. I'm going to build my church off of this. It's really wonderful that God doesn't really emphasize or prioritize just the plans. I've always thought it was strange when Jesus came back after the resurrection. It says he met with the disciples and I've often thought it's strange that years later, Peter is having to walk this experience out he's had with God. And, you know, he sees this sheet come down with all these unclean animals for Jews to eat. And God's saying, rise, kill, and eat. He's going, wait a minute, I don't feel right about that. That doesn't seem right. I've never done that kind of thing. Well, what God's telling him is, I don't want you to call unclean what i have called clean and he's pretty much he's telling him i want you to go reach the gentiles and so peter needs this big revelation as he's walking with god he's having to walk this thing out and he goes a step at the time he doesn't know how it's going to work out but he's walking with god i just had a revelation today and then these people are there god told me this morning something and then now, look, these people are at the door. I wouldn't have gone with them, but because I had an experience with God today, I think I'm supposed to do this. So God has told him, go with these men. He goes with these men. Then he gets to the place, and the Gentile goes, hey, God told me that you're going to tell us all about God. The guy's brought a lot of people to hear about it, too. So he's sitting there, and all these other Gentiles, and Peter preaches. And in the middle of the preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on the congregation, and they start speaking in tongues. Peter's with the rest of the Jews he brought with him going, wow, God gave these Gentiles the Holy Spirit. I guess we ought to baptize them. Do you see how he's sort of just flowing in his relationship with God? 
God's leading him as he's walking through things, even from going through the Gentiles and whatnot. Now, I want you to think the way we would do that, right? If I were Jesus, I'd be thinking, man, I've got these 40 days or however, you know, the hours I'm going to be spending with these disciples. I want to make sure they know exactly how to do this because this is really, really big. I mean, it surprises me when Jesus was meeting with them, he didn't tell them about this huge thing. Why? Well, because the big thing is to stay connected this way. If you stay connected this way and you're always willing to do whatever he says, he will send you out. He will lead you. And you see, that's what the church is needing to learn right now. We put the cart before the horse so many times because we want to plan and then we want to get God into our plans. And God said, you've got that process reversed. I want to get you really close to me. You need to pray for the plan, but the plan is going to come after this because this is what's important. If you stay lined up, this other stuff will come to pass. I will bring you into it. It might be the most important thing. It might be huge. You don't need to know all about it before you get there necessarily. All you need to know is what I will tell you as you continue to line up with me. The important thing is line up with God. That's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today and have been in various ways over the last few months. You remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the, the supper that was made. This man made this big supper and Jesus is telling the story. This man made it a great supper, and he wanted to bless so many of the, the people. And so he goes out and asks specific ones, come, come, I've made an amazing supper for you. I mean, it's like none you've had before. And one by one, they declined. Oh, I have a new wife. Oh, I have a new field. I just bought it. I need to go look at it. You probably looked at it already a hundred times. So you want to go back there and just you just got to see it again and various things like that. And the, the story, the real essence of the story is this, this supper that he's inviting them to, I believe, in, among other things, represents fellowship with Christ. And the invitation was to come and to enjoy fellowship and a rich partaking of Christ. And all these individuals did not go because they really weren't interested enough. And the reason they weren't interested in going and supping with this man or fellowshipping with God was simply because they were distracted with other things. It wasn't that they would have said, oh, going to supper is a bad thing. Oh, I don't like that man. Oh, I no, it's simply because they were distracted with other things and their minds were on other things. Now, you need to think about that because that's a very important point. We need to understand that if our minds are thinking about other things continually, wrapped up in other things, our interests are going to be in those things because whatever you think about, where whatever you set your mind on, 
is what your desires are also going to be pulled toward and where your attention is going to go. And if you're thinking about things all the time and you're always engaging in your mind with things around the world all the time in your life, new things, maybe they're wonderful, exciting things. If you allow that to happen, and you don't guard your mind, you're going to lose your desires for God and for fellowship with God. And it is such a simple, easy thing to happen to any one of us. All it takes is for you to give your attention to other things and to not have that pulling away and making sure those other things and your thoughts toward those things and the time that you spend thinking about those things is not taking away from your time with God, your devotion toward God, and your heart toward God. I believe one of the reasons why we don't enjoy spending time with God and we don't want to is simply because We've become distracted with so many things in life. We've become distracted with so many opportunities, so many possessions, so many ways to have fun, so many things to go out and do, whether it's when we come home, during the day, on the weekend. You see, all of these things that are taking our mind space are also taking our heart space. It's impossible for you to have your mind wrapped up in things of this world all the time and still have a passion and a desire for the Lord Jesus the way you should. You might still go like this in the supper. Oh, I love him. I just, I just am not interested right now in going and spending time with him. I'm just not interested in praying right now. I've, I've got something new and there's a to do and, you know, there's a program I need to watch and just a little bit more of this stuff on the internet. You see, we're engaging our minds with all these things. If you engage your mind like that and you don't pull away, you're going to lose your fire for God, lose your interest for God, and lose your desire to spend time with Him. So you should ask yourself today, where is my desire? Do I really love spending time with God? Do I really yearn for that? Uh, do I, is something that, you know, where I just, I just want to get away sometimes and get in the word and just, or get in prayer and just talk with God and enjoy God. If that is not where you are in this hour, it's very possible that that has happened because you have become distracted by many things, pulled away in your mind by many things. And God wants you to come back. If you also have gone and said, well, I tried to pray. I tried to spend time with God, but I just am not enjoying that. Now, there can be a variety of reasons why that can happen. But today, I just want to mention, I believe one of the major reasons people do not enjoy praying, they do not enjoy getting into the Word, is because their hearts are divided they're very distracted, and while they're even trying to get into the Word, they can't get their minds focused on it 
because their minds are in every other place. Why? Because they've been thinking on those things and they have not learned to put things in their right place in their hearts and they've not learned how to pull away from distractions so that we can sit at the feet of Jesus and feed on Him and hear His words. I love that uh, little story where after the resurrection, Jesus started walking with a couple of disciples on the road. He says, hey guys, what's going on? And they said, oh, you heard Man, did it. So they tell him about the crucifixion and all of that. And then he starts telling them about uh, the Christ and that he had to suffer, et cetera, et cetera. And later when they're describing, listening to him, they say, didn't our hearts burn on the inside when he was speaking to us? And you see, the Lord loves just sit down with us and to get our attention and to speak to us in such a way that our hearts burn on the inside. And you will never have that happen to you if you always go to God with a distracted mind. You can't wait to get finished so that you can go look on your phone. Or you can't wait to get finished with your time with God so that you can go do something else that you're really excited about. You see, you have to temper those things because if you do not cultivate your heart, that's one of the things we have to learn in life is we can cultivate our love for God. So when God commands us to love Him, we are having to make a choice to pull out and prioritize our thoughts and what's in our hearts so that that which is vying for love for God is dealt with. And when you do that, the love for God and the desire for God flourishes. And I would say, I bet there are many listening to me today who you need to deal with some things in your soul. You need to deal with some things that you think about all the time. That You know, some of the preoccupations you have, where you're spending your mind time, where you're spending your thought life all the time. God's like, I need to deliver you from that. You need to step away from that and get it out of your system because it's now become a part of your heart. It's in your flesh. Whether you know it or not, it drives you. God wants to deliver you from that so that you can be free from that and so that you can have a vibrant communication with God going on. You see, too many of us have all those things going on in our life, all these things, all these new things, all these exciting things. And that's not bad in themselves, but the problem is we get enamored with these things. We get wrapped up in them, and we think we can continue to go on like that with our minds and hearts wrapped up and also have a love for God. Oh, these aren't sinful things, so I can still love God. It doesn't work that way because you can't have anything that vies for the devotion that you're supposed to be given to God. So when you give attention to these things, even though they might not even be sinful, you are pulling away from something which is very important to God, which is what Paul called undistracted devotion. Undistracted devotion is powerful. 
Jesus is worthy of our undistracted devotion, and every single one of us should make a decision. We're going to give him undistracted devotion, everything he deserves. There's a story about Martha and Mary. I'm, most of you are probably very familiar with this story, but I'll read it or maybe skim these scriptures. But in Luke 10, 38 is where the story starts. Jesus was entering a certain village with his disciples, and it says a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. I think that is so key to understanding what's going on in this verse. It's not just that she's busy. She's distracted. That word is emphasized there in that passage. Think about this. What if you were taking a test and you'd studied for the test, but you come in and a lot of crazy, and you've got a certain time and a lot of crazy things are happening in the classroom. Maybe somebody comes in and starts juggling fire batons or whatever. Anyway, you can't set your mind on the test. So you can't think clearly. You're not processing things right. You're not able to connect with the test, right? And you recognize, hey, I need you to get out of this room because I need to focus because I need to really understand what's going on here. Well, you see, Jesus is in the house. Jesus is speaking. And where's Martha? Martha is distracted, right? And what is she distracted with? Is it sin? No, she's not distracted with sin. She's distracted with busyness. And she goes, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about so many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, the one thing that won't be taken away from her. I want you to connect those two points now. First of all, she's distracted. So many things. And Jesus says, Martha, one thing, one thing, one thing, right? What's he telling her? He's saying, look, when you are spending time with me, you don't need to be multitasking. Martha, when you are spending time with me, you need to get everything else out of your mind. You need to cut your cell phone off. You need to cut your computer off. You need to get away from anything that's going to distract you. You do not need to be distracted. It needs to be about one thing. Mary chose one thing, and what she did was right. That's the good thing right here because I'm here feeding I'm here to give. This is your devotional time. This is when you're supposed to be feeding on me. I want you to pull away from everything that's pulling your attention away from me. Yes, they look like good things. Yes, I know you're wanting to cook for everybody. Yes, I know you feel like you have so many things. They're just pressing on your mind. I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to do that. But you need to pull away from that and just focus on me. You see, what had Martha been doing? She's listening to Jesus, but she's walking around doing everything else. It'd be really funny to find out how many of you this morning 
are, are multitasking during the message. Maybe you'll laugh around and look right now. Maybe you're listening to the message, but you know, you're, you're making lunch or you're walking around having a side conversation about some other things a little here and there. You see, you're not going to get very much out of it if you're doing it that way. God wants to talk to you. You have to focus. But it's not just when you're listening to service. It needs to be all throughout your life. You need to be focused on God when you come to the Lord. And beyond just this, you have to have a focused life. Because it's not just in your devotional time, but in life in general, you can find that things can distract you. And those things that are wrapped up in your thoughts can be very distracting in your relationship with the Lord. Now, when I go to pray, I realize I have to pull past those things. I may, it may be just me and God. I might not be trying to make lunch or, or do, I'm not distracted about busyness. I'm not going to answer my phone. But even when I go to God in that mindset, I can still be distracted. I can be thinking about a problem I had that morning or an issue that from yesterday or something that I need to do or whatever. You have to be willing to go through your prayer life, your devotional life, and in your process of prayer, in your process of word, which I think particularly if you're distracted, I mean, you just have to do whatever to get past that. Sometimes when I start praying, I realize I can't connect with God. And it's not God, because God's not there. It's because I'm distracted. It's because I got my mind on something. First thing, I want to make sure I'm praying with my voice because that helps me give it attention to what I'm saying. If I'm just praying to the Lord in my mind, the other thoughts that can come to my mind are just about as loud as my prayers in my mind, right? But if I'm praying out loud, somehow it helps me. And I would just say, even then, there's a, a time when these thoughts will keep trying to come. You have to press past that in your prayer life if you want to have a good prayer time and connect with God. You've got to do that in your word time if you want to connect with God in the word. You're going to have to press past your distractions. And I would say, too, a lot of times in my prayer time, I begin to recognize not only things I've been busy with that I, maybe I should have put to the side, I begin to recognize things that have gotten a place in my heart and soul of too much of my attention, too much of my thought time has gone into that. And I will recognize, you know what? I've been thinking about that too much. I need to not be thinking about that. That's getting a life of its own on the inside of me. I got to lay that down. And that's just the process of being a disciple. We go through this world. We come to the Lord. We have to reprioritize our lives. If that's not something that you regularly do, I could almost guarantee you, you're not very passionate about your prayer life. You're not very passionate about your word time because there's too many other things. There's too many distractions on the inside of you. God wants us to be people that can be people of one thing where we're giving him the focus that he deserves. Now, there are a few things that we can do to sort of help our focus. And I'll mention a couple of bigger things and then maybe give some examples of some tips of what you might be able to do to help you get back into the focus that you need and to prioritize your life and to diminish the effect 
of this world on your focus, right? Because you got to do that. And don't be thinking, but I'm not doing anything sinful. But no, it doesn't have to be sinful. All it needs to do is take up your heart time, your mind time. It's your attention. It's your attention God wants. One of the things that the Word of God gives us, I believe, to help us in this process is the Sabbath. I don't believe we should try to uphold the Sabbath like a lot of people have done, like in the Old Testament. But there's this process of a day being set aside, and the the Sabbath was made for us. But we serve the Sabbath for God. People think, oh, a Sabbath day, that's just a day for me to rest and have fun. Well, really, a Sabbath day isn't just like that. It's more like a Sabbath day is a day for me to realign. It's a day for me to pull away to an extra degree from any worries, from my day-to-day activities, from the things that are in my mind every day, my work, my worries, that things I might have to fix every day. There's a day I just go, you know what? I'm not going to deal with that today. By faith, I'm going to take a day, and when those thoughts come to my mind, I'm going to say, God, you know what? I'm not going to engage my mind with that today. You know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to say, Lord, I'm taking this day as a day of rest unto you. And all these worries and troubles coming to my mind, I'm just going to bring them to you by an act of faith. I believe I can go through at least a day when I don't even have to worry about those things because this is a day to worship. This is a day to realign. This is a day to focus on you and to, you know, just enjoy God and the things that God's blessed me with and that, you know, just, just make it all about God. Your Sabbath, if you have a day you set aside for God, that should be the day you look to greater than any other day, because I actually believe that's a, a real key to being blessed too. I believe the word of God shows us as when we tithe and give of the first then the rest gets blessed. And that's happened by many, many people that have have that testimony. Well, in a similar way, when we give God our time, the rest gets blessed. I believe we should give God time every day, but I believe at the first of the week, if you give your time to the Lord, there's something about the faith that goes up by you not doing something that causes God to engage in the rest of your days. I've shared about Chick-fil-A, because it's such a great example how he thought, you know what? I don't want my workers working on Sunday. I want them to work Monday through Saturday. It's what he did. He said, I feel like Sunday's a great day. You ought to spend time with God. They should go to church. They should spend time with their family. It ought to be a different day. And he did that out of wanting to do right. And guess what? His business made more money Chick-fil-A than any other business in the malls. And that's where he started. He made more money per square foot than any other business. It's just it's amazing. But I believe that's the blessing of the Lord. And you see, if we'll pull away and pull under the Lord, I believe what happens then is all those worries, all those things we're pulling away from, God will end up then blessing it. You see that word where he says, seek first the kingdom and then these things will come. That is a promise you need to hold on to. Seek the kingdom. Do the kingdom things. Look to God first. Worship God first. Give him your 
first attention, your primary attention, and all other things come in a distant second, third. Do that and watch that God would start blessing the other aspects of your life, the things we strive after. Watch what happens when we put God first. So anyway, I believe that the Sabbath is there as an example, but something like that needs to happen daily. Something need, There needs to be some kind of daily pulling away. Don't carry your work with you everywhere you go. Don't get excited about just one thing after the other all the time, and you're looking for something to fill that hole in your heart, that need to have something to be excited about. Why can't you, maybe God wants him to be that, you know? I'm just saying, guard your heart, look where your heart is, and you need to tend to your heart, and you need to arrange things in such a way that your heart can be conducive for the Holy Spirit to be there and for God to be talking to you and for you to have revelation and insight. You have to be willing to pull away. And you know what? You just think, oh, that's just a mental decision. No, thoughts have power. And when you make a decision, you go, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pull away and prioritize God. It doesn't come just by doing it. You've got to really press into it because those thoughts are like, no, think about me. No, turn your attention here. No, just give me one, one more minute and then go to God. And then two hours later, you go, oh, now what was I going to do? I remember years ago when, when smoking was the thing. Smoking is not popular anymore. I grew up in, the, in a Baptist church, and it's so funny. We had a cigarette urn on the outside of the building. Before they would go into service at the top of this big platform, right where it's at the top of the steps, there'd be like, 50 men just sitting there at the top smoking their cigarettes. It's just the funniest thing. They'd all smoke their cigarettes before they get in. But anyway, one minister said one time, you think it's just a decision. Oh, I won't smoke anymore. But then when you say that, the cigarette starts talking back to you and say, smoke me, smoke me. You know, and you go, oh, just one more. Well, our thoughts are that way too. We can be addicted to excitement. We can be addicted to wanting to have something new. We can be addicted to social media. We've got to have it. We can be addicted to so many things, but we might not recognize we're addicted. You won't recognize that until you make a decision to pull away from it. So why don't you do this today and this week? Why don't you pull away from all distraction and give God a week? God, I'm really going to work not being distracted, having my mindful of God. And watch how loud the voices are trying to call you and pull you away. That'll show you how far off, how bad the problem is, right? But we all deal with it. If you haven't been dealing with it, that just lets me know your mind's not in alignment with God the way it ought to be to get the most out of your relationship. There's another thing that I think that is great at pulling our attention toward the Lord. And that's prayer and fasting, prayer with fasting. We don't like to fast. And a lot of people fast as if the fast itself is going to get you an answer. It's just like, if I don't eat food, God will give me something. I don't believe that's exactly how that works. What does fasting do? Fasting pulled your attention away, even from your greatest needs, the need to eat. Your body will be saying, eat, eat. You have to learn to ignore, eat, eat, eat. You have to learn to ignore and not pay any attention when you smell some great food somewhere. You learn 
don't let that even go into your mind and your heart. Now, what happens, by the way, if you start a fast and then the first thing you go and say, hey, I think I need to buy a cookbook. I just been having that on my mind. So you start looking at the cookbook and you start thinking about food. You're not going to go very far before you eat. But not only that, my point is this. You're not supposed to be thinking about food anyway. The point is pull away from that. Pull away from your very needs and just focus your mind on God. Pull away from all, even your own needs, and have even a greater focus. Fasting intensifies your focus. It should, if you're doing it the way I believe you should do it, and it causes you to have a greater mind for God. Some people, the Bible says, during their time of fasting, they'll abstain even from their husband or wife from sexual relations. Why? They're focusing on God and any, any other kind of pulls that may even be legitimate, they're put into the side because now they're going an extra level of focus and devotion. You see what I'm saying? You know, one time Jesus comes down this mountain. He'd had this transformative experience. Now he comes down and some of his disciples are down there. They've been trying to cast a devil out of a boy. They couldn't get the demon to come out. I just think that, you know, people are probably going, oh, we need to send him to the hospital. Uh, or, you know, oh, he needs to go to get some such and such drugs because he's got this issue. And when they do this, you need to give him this. The Pharisees were arguing with the disciples for some reason. We don't know exactly what they're saying. I'm guessing the Pharisees are going, stop doing that. You see, you've been praying for him and it's not working. See there, you prayed and prayed, it's not work. It's not God. God doesn't heal people like that. See, God doesn't do that. And the disciples are going, yes, he does. We don't know why this is not, I don't know. We're just praying. And Jesus comes down, boom, he casts that demon out. The guy gets set free. And the disciples are going back, telling the Pharisees, probably, see, we told you he wanted to, Jesus wanted to set that guy free. Just because he didn't get set free didn't mean he didn't want to do it, right? So, but anyway, I don't know what they were arguing. I've, I've wondered about that. But then the disciples come back to Jesus and they say, man, why couldn't we cast it out? And he goes, well, it's because of your little faith. It's because of your unbelief. Faith is the problem. And then he goes, but this kind didn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, what I believe on that verse, as I've thought through it and I've heard others talk about it, the first time this came to my mind, I thought, wow, I don't believe Jesus is saying, now the reason why you couldn't cast that demon out is because of faith. But instead of faith, with this one, you need to pray and fast. If you pray and fast, it'll come out. That's not what he was saying. He says, this demon, the reason why it didn't come out is because of unbelief. But this unbelief won't come out except by prayer and fasting. Because what he said was, this kind, this kind of thing, that won't come out except by prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting will deal with things in your soul because you're having a focus on God in an amazing way. When you deal with things in your soul, your faith will come alive in a new dimension. Focus on God. Pulling away from the things of this world brings a focus that brings blessing, that pulls stuff away from us, doubts, unbelief. Our faith begins to soar because we're focused on the author of our faith. And guess what? Then we walk in a new level of power that we have not experienced before. So think about this. 
the purpose of fasting is not simply to not eat. It's to focus on God even more. It's to deny self even so that you might be able to give God a new level of focus and devotion. And he loves that. Anyway, we're coming to an end here. Let me just mention a couple of like some pointers of how you can help get focus right now. First of all, begin having a daily devotional with God. Get into a place where you're not going to be distracted. Don't have your phone in there or get in, get in there at a time when uh, maybe your phone doesn't even ring. If you, if you feel like you have to be around your phone all the time, get a devotional time when that phone's not going to be ringing. Maybe that needs to be at 4 or 5 in the morning. I don't know. But get somewhere where you're not going to be distracted. Secondly, pull away from your distractions. Once you get with God, pull away from whatever is pulling your mind. You need to recognize that you've got to hone in when you spend time with God in your prayer time or your word time, right? So you need to make sure that you're going to hone in and press past your distractions. If you're thinking about things, oh, I've got to do this, right then acknowledge it. God, you know I'm worried about this. I'm thinking about this thing I've got to do today, and I'm not giving you undistracted devotion. I can't give you my undistracted attention right here. Guess what, God? I'm not going to do that. I'm asking you, Lord, help me. Help me. I know that if, if I bring it before you, you're going to help me get over this. And maybe in that process, maybe the Lord will, will say, you know, the reason why you can't get that out of you is because you're worried about it. And as long as you're worried, you're not going to be able to get it out of your heart and mind. And then, you, and then as you're in your prayer time, you go, okay, God. And then you pray through that, you give it over to God. Then you got free from that, right? And then, and then you go, okay, wow, now, now I can really connect. And not only that, God's with me. Man, when I got free from that thing and that thought, the power of God even came on me. Now God's with me. And you'll go into your day so differently, for example, having prayed and dealt with that issue you're worried about, than if you just started your day and piled up more worry and thinking from what you already had. The third thing, I just sort of already said this, pray until you get in or, you know, just keep pressing until you get in. You just have to realize you got to deal with things. Keep in your mind that God has promised you that He's going to commune with you. It's a promise from God. The Holy Spirit will fellowship with you. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. Jesus said, I'll manifest myself to you. Think about that great promise. That promise needs to be a motivator for something on the inside of you goes, whoa, wait a minute. I'm going to press past my distractions. I'm going to press past whatever I need to press past because the promise of what God said He's got for me is well worth it. And I want that. You've got to stoke those desires rather than be like those people who are just always thinking about things and Jesus is inviting them, come and spend time with me. They're not even interested. Be the opposite of that. And even though you might not be fully partaking of Christ now, that's a promise. Think about how great that meal is how great that fellowship is, and be motivated and go after it. Because you will feed on Christ if you open the door. Remember that's in Revelation. I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. He's inviting you in. If you'll come in and open that door and do what you have to do, get rid of those distractions and just sit down with Him, man, He says He's going he's gonna to stop with you, fellowship with you, and feed you.
And all right, a couple more things. Eat, sleep, and think Jesus. Don't just do it that one time of the day. If you process all of life with God at, at the helm of your life and your, your thinking, you're going to find out you don't have to worry with distractions so much when you get to your devotional time. It's because you've already been prioritizing things. You've already been the word of using the word to, to not worry and to have faith and to not get so enamored with this or that thing that's going on in life. Cultivate your heart. Cultivate your desires. Honor the Sabbath. I already mentioned that. And uh, always remember that God is more important than any other thing in your life. He loves your devotion. He calls your devotion. He craves, so to speak, worship because that's our love language with God. That's how we connect with God is through our worship. So he loves that. He's pulling you to a place of undistracted devotion today. He wants to enjoy you. God does not enjoy you fully when you don't give yourself to him fully. But when you give yourself to him fully, it's like you're presenting yourself him oh he loves that if you give yourself to the lord daily an undistracted undivided devotion it's one of the greatest things you can do it ministers to god's heart he loves it so much pull away from this world the lures of this world the distractions of this world the opportunities as well as the worries of this world pull away from all of that and just make god the one thing Make it where he's over all this other stuff. And make sure that you're, you're just continually aligning your life with him. You'd be amazed at where you end up. This is where God's calling us all right now. He's calling us all here from this place. God's going to send us out to what he wants us to do. But we never leave this place. It goes with it. Lord, we thank you, God, for the call of God that's in this hour where you're calling people to yourself. You're calling people to worship. You're teaching us how to worship. You're teaching us how to focus. You're teaching us, God, how to have an experience with God that is wonderful and real, where we can really partake of you, feed on you, and it's real. And those encounters with you really feed us. They really nourish us. They change our hearts. They change our minds. They impact us. Lord, we desire that. And Father, we pray today you forgive us for being a distracted people, people with our minds on many things. Help us, God, this day to, have, to be a people of one thing, of one mind, being able to put you first and just focus on you and honoring you in all that we do. Lord, give us grace this week to not only recognize things that have become perpetual distractions in our lives, but to have the grace to deal with them because they've become strongholds now. Help us, God, to go past that so that we can encounter Christ in that new dimension again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.